And that was K. Sarah by Wax Taylor. And welcome to the Wisdom Experience. I am Clay Lowe, one of your guys for today. And along with me is Naomi Martel Bundock. Did I get it right this time? You did. <laughs> yeah. I always think it's really easy to say because you just literally say the letters as you read them. But Yeah, yeah. but you, you called me out last time, so I thought I'd better say your name this time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yes, and welcome to your digital calm for the day. So mm. here we go. What have you been up to before we get into the show proper? What have you been up to this this week? Do you know, you always ask me what I've been up to. And it's so funny because then I have to, I actually have to stop and think back. And I find that quite hard, which... Well, you, you know it's coming, man. You know it's coming. I, I know. <laughs> I do know it's coming. But it's really interesting because it shows me that I'm more in the present than I necessarily uh, would have given myself credit for. So I'm going to just give myself a pat on the back for that. Yeah, maybe. Or one of our conversations we had before is it in fact it might have been last week is it that every day is such the same that you it all blends together anyway yesterday is pretty much the same as today well that that is a fair point and it yeah. could be that although yeah. that is not the case actually in the last week um although there is obviously a lot of regularity to my day with school runs and the like yeah. but yeah no it's been good it's been yeah. good i had a lovely weekend i i can't remember what i did but i had a lovely weekend even though we are in lockdown as we're recording this, um, or maybe because we're in lockdown. I was going to say, yeah, how are you weekend. dealing with the lockdown? How is it? How's lockdown 2.0 been for you? Well, as you may remember, I loved lockdown 1.0, and now I'm loving lockdown 2.0. And actually, because this time I'm still taking my um, my youngest son to school, so during the day I have my regularity, I have my schedule, and I stick to it, and I'm having a lot of fun, I'm making a lot of progress. Oh, do you know but what? The, Listen, I found something, oh, and I'll oh, read it at the reading. Okay. Um, because, and I thought I was going to share it to you earlier. Um, but I thought it, it might make a good one to do. It's Save from, it. But it's from uh, um, Aphorisms of a Fish by a, a Chinese spiritual um, guy named Wu Husen. Wu Husen, yeah, something like that. Um, but yes, he's kind of like um, the Tao guy. Uh, right. Well, I will uh, look forward to listening okay. to Aphorisms of the Fish. So what I was just going to say is that actually... Lockdown 2.0 for me is the best of both worlds. So I have my regularity during the day. Then in the evening, I don't have to take my children to any of their social activities, which means that my evenings now are offering me an opportunity of exploring different aspects of what I will want to be doing longer term when they're not here. Ah, I see. So you're preparing for them to leave the nest, are you? They, let me tell you, from experience, they don't ever leave the nest. No, I, I think they, you might be right. They, they're, they're not. Go- and they, the, my neighbour has their kids are older than ours, um, and the son only just moved out. And he must be thirty. I mean, the 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 daughter was around for a while. Then she got a boyfriend and and made a baby, and so they they she did move out. But the son, in fact, the son literally moved out the day after we went into lockdown. He had just moved into this place when we went to lockdown in March. So he was wow. Yeah, so um, interesting thing. All right, well let's uh, let's get some tunes on here, and uh, and then we'll get back and get into some proper conversation i'm looking forward to 
what you have to say today and see what's on your mind. Okay. All right, so we started that set off with Into the Seed by Plantray, and then the second song was La Femme d'Argent by a group called Air, and the song you've just finished listening to is Edge Hill by The Groove Amada. Are you familiar with The Groove Amada at all? Because they're no, a big, no. big band over here, aren't they? Yeah. All right, so cool. So what has been on your contemplative, reflective mind this mm. week? I like that, contemplative and reflective, and you're absolutely right. I have been doing a large amount of of reflecting, probably more so than, than I might do normally, um, but definitely a lot of contemplating. And one of the things that is coming up and I think it is because of lockdown is you know there's lots of people posting about well-being and positivity and well-being at work and well-being working from home and that's coming up so 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 much and I was reflecting over you know I've I've been essentially a well-being coach for over 17 years now and for at least the first well, I would say five, but I think more like 10 years, people are saying to me, oh, what, what's the well-being coach? I've never heard of that. And now every Tom, Dick and Harry is a well-being coach. So, yeah, so it, it made well, me what, actually what, kind of go back to my... I'm going to say, yeah, what is well-being? Is that what you're going to kind of figure? Yeah, because I mean, you're right. I mean, you hear it, um, the term a lot. And by the way, it is self-care uh, week this week for mental health first aiders uh, organization it is self-care week i've done a few things for that but yeah so um give me a sense of what well-being means because it is a giant buzzword term well exactly and that's why i thought you know what i'm going to go back to my roots and kind of think how and why did i get into well-being and and why do i still use the term well-being even though I've clearly kind of been in the field for so long and I do a lot of personal development and self-development and, and how they all fit together so I thought well where I always start is I go to the dictionary and I have a very old Oxford reference English dictionary on my shelf which when I say very old it's from when I was at school right. so it's over 35 years old the term well-being, it is because the term well-being doesn't exist in it. I was, was going to say that well-being is a relatively recent term. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would have had other names back in the days and they just wouldn't have called it necessarily well-being. Um, but the concept will be the similar. But yeah, it's a recent term, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So then I thought, okay, so I did a... a kind of a you know quick old google search and the oxford english dictionary which is obviously a much more modern thing because it's online for a start mm. said it's about the overall state of someone's health essentially they then said the state of being comfortable healthy and happy so i you know what's your response to that the overall state of someone's health or the state of being comfortable healthy and happy i think um uh, the american Declaration of Independence has it isn't they don't call it well-being but isn't it? it's the pursuit of happiness 
um, that all people are are inalienable rights. Um, so this over and and I think when you explore that, you ha- and people think happiness as in being happy, but that's not what they meant by what they meant by it was what we would call um, modern day well being, and it is about you know your ability to. Um, you know, physically be in a space, mentally be in a space, your sort of wealth, the whole totality of your person um, being in accordance with, um, you know, what you want to do with your life or how you how you move yourself through um, and interact with this world um, is a sense that you get from that. But, yeah. So that, that's really interesting, actually. Uh, I think... You're right. A lot of people would say, well, isn't well-being happiness? And and it isn't. It really isn't. And that's why those two, you know, the overall state of someone's health, actually, I'm I'm happier as an explanation of well-being because your well-being may be. And I'm not sure you'd say good or, or poor, but you might say, you know, my well-being is kind of full yeah. um, or it's depleted. And those are the terms that I personally would use the state of being comfortable, healthy and happy kind of indicates that you already are comfortable, healthy and happy. And that's, to me, isn't actually the case. You you have to think, well, am I comfortable, healthy and happy? Um, and what do I mean by that? Yeah, I think so, that's, that's the big thing. The big thing is what do you mean by that? Because, uh, I mean, if you look at social media, if you watch the TV, if you look at magazines, if you, if you consume any kind of media, um, you get a definition of... Uh, happiness that the consumer society wants you to believe is happiness and then when you don't have those things um, then you have this discontentment so you know you're right I think it's you know how do you define happiness for yourself and I think as I made reference to the um, the sort of declaration of independence it's like the life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is is our and that is that phrase there, the pursuit of happiness in this well, overall state of sort of well-being. But I think you, I think people have to be um, really clear about things with themselves in terms of what is happiness to them, and what is a good life to them. Um, liberty is harder to affect because <laughs> your government's going to be deciding what that looks like in some cases. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you've kind of hit on a, a variety of points there. Um, I th- and, and uh, you know, one of the clear things for me when I'm teaching it is, you know, I'm always sort of talking about you have to decide what's right for you because some people are happy being miserable. So they have to decide if they are thinking about their well-being. Well, if I'm happy being miserable, does that mean that my well-being is, is full? Um Whereas for me, I don't really want to be miserable, so that wouldn't be any good for my well-being. And I think that's the clear thing. And when I started to to go into it in, in more detail, for me, it's very much it's about looking at things from a you know from us as a, a kind of a holistic perspective, looking at us from a physical perspective. So how are our bodies um, kind of behaving and how are we supporting our bodies and the same with our mind and the same with our emotions and our feelings so give me an example of of well-being because that's just it it's just a big term what does that mean does it mean that i go to the gym does it mean that my 
I have well, no diseases? Does it mean my knees don't ache? What is what? So it yeah. does depend on you. And this is the key thing. I think we need to define it as an individual, but we also need to define it collectively as a society. And in fact, I think it's the, I don't know if it's the United Nations or if it's the Office of National Statistics here in the UK, but they measure well-being. I think it might be the United Nations. Um, but f- I, I bring these things, you know, I think we need to look at them as a whole. You know, how is this country doing? How is this planet doing? How is this community doing? Yeah, but that's hard to but, grasp, don't you think? It's hard to grasp. Absolutely, that, absolutely. That so I think, but I think that needs to be done. And then from mm. that, we pull it out. So you said about, well, is going to the gym. Does that mean, well, going to the gym is probably good for your well-being, but for my well-being, it would not be good at all. I cannot think of anything worse than going to a place that, is essentially I'm turning up somewhere just to do exercise where it's noisy and there's lots of people who might want to talk to me so if we, I if don't we, want to be there. If we look at the, bring it all the way down to the macro then, is physical. doesn't matter what you're doing, but you've got to take care of your physical self. That well, that's, that's to me, that's a third of it. That's a third yeah, of it. Yeah, that's one of So one component is mm-hmm. the physical self. Absolutely. And we talked a little bit in the show last week about nutrition, for example. Um, And again, so what do I do? And and for me, I tie well-being a lot in with energy um, and a lot in with balance. So anytime we go out of balance, so anybody who goes to the gym, I'm going to make up a silly figure now, but 35 times a day and, you know, kind of doesn't go and do anything else. That becomes an obsession. Obsession will deplete your well-being. You might feel great whilst you're doing it, but you can't take that feeling of feeling good, if you like, or feeling well into other areas of your life. But what if those other areas aren't important to you? Because a lot of entrepreneurs make this point. A lot of entrepreneurs, because there's a big backlash now, isn't there, where people are like, you know, bashing entrepreneurs that like to work a 20-hour day. But their Mm -hmm. pushback is, well, you get to do what you do that makes you happy. If me working 20 hours a day makes me happy, why are you harping on me? Because if I wasn't doing this, then I would be unhappy. Well, that's great. So long as they know what makes them happy. And so long as if they're in a relationship, that makes them happy and it works for their partner as well. Or if they're a parent, they're taking responsibility for their children. So, I'm not intending to harp on about it. Um, I'm simply offering people the opportunity to take some information and to review what works for them. And, and by that, I mean them and, and they're the people that they're responsible for in their lives. Yeah, so they have to look after, if I'm whittling this down, if they have to have a physical component. I need a physical, there's a physical component in terms of taking care of your body, whether whatever exercise and whether you just walk or whether... You swim or whether you go hiking, whatever it is, you're using your body in a physical way. And also, um, I don't know if you're differentiating physical from health as in then the nutrition bit falling into the health piece. But there's this there's this element that we have to take care of this machine that we're in, the physicalness of this machine to keep it going. And Absolutely. Then, so then I take it there's a mental component to well-being. What's that about? Absolutely. So this is probably in some respects one of the the hardest bits to explain when I kind of first talk about it with people. Um, But I I class the mental side of it as being able to, to think clearly. So if somebody asks you a question, for you to have the faculty to be able to answer that question 
in a way that you're happy that you've answered the question appropriately or if it's because it's something you don't know you're able to say do you know I don't know that but it doesn't affect you the fact that you don't know it you don't feel that you should know everything Um, you don't feel guilty because you can't help that person right at that moment for example yeah that's cool I I shared a a link about that Um, in fact in my in the sort of coach's notes I shared a TED talk about failure and this lady was saying that exactly that that you've that part of your game should be to to you know be okay with being wrong is basically Mm -hmm. what she was saying it's okay to be wrong where some we can be conditioned not to be wrong if you think about your education if you think about you know your childhood and all that you know there's a there's some pain associated with being wrong (laughs) um so a lot of people don't think that they can in corporate world as well if i'm wrong does that mean i'm incompetent if i'm incompetent am i not going to get a promotion and um so again it's a we have these stressors that you know on the one hand i think i'm 100 percent with you is that it's okay to be wrong and to accept that and but we also have a society that on a whole kind of punishes you for being wrong so now you're torn which one to satisfy and how about your social well-being what's that about well, I would actually talk about emotional well-being first. Mm. So to me, the, the three basic ones that most people can kind of stop and think about are my physical, my mental and my emotional. Um, and, and yes, that has a link with social, but it, it's not kind of a primary awareness. So my emotion, emotional well-being is about is about how I'm feeling. So how do I feel? Do I feel okay? Do I feel not okay? Do I feel sad? Do I feel angry? It's actually about being aware of what your emotions are and are they appropriate to the situation that you're in? Um, And if they're not, what's going on? What do you need to do to support yourself? Um, And and that's in a way quite a complex one to to run with. Um, But a lot of this stems also from stress management and, and kind of if you think of stress management as one side of the coin and well-being being the other um stress management is really understanding about the energies that are, are running through our bodies and and how we use those energies appropriately and, when you and say if we energies what do you mean well literally how you how you feel so how my energy is responding to this situation actually as in that I've got high energy so I'm like ah oh, bouncing off so, the wall, yeah, or I've got it, low energy Exactly. So it could be high, it could be low, but what type of high energy? So a stress reaction is generally when we tense up. And the reason that we're tensing up is that old fight or flight thing. Muscles are tensing up, ready to basically give you enough energy to deal with the situation by fighting somebody till the other thing dies, as it were, uh, or by giving you enough energy so that you can run off and outrun the aggressor that's about to kill you. So that would be a kind of a, a tense stressful energy is what we would say but a good but a high energy exactly a high energy that's like i am bouncing off the walls i've got ideas flying out of myself um i've i can get on with this job that i you know i want to paint the fence i've got the energy to do that and i'm able to make it happen until i finish the fence rather than just painting one panel Mm. and going oh my god i'm not done yet so there's a a physical energy in it and an emotional energy so i could have the energy to paint the fence but I might not be in the mood to paint the fence. There's nothing mm. wrong with me physically. I got, mm-hmm. yeah, I could go 
you know, go for a run. But now, you know, my wife telling me I got to use that energy to go paint the fence, and then here I'm grumpy. So I've got physical high energy, but um, now I'm grumpy because I'm being made to paint the fence. So, but yeah. I like this balance thing you're talking about. Balance, isn't it? Um, and a lot of it comes down to how do you balance um, all these sort of pieces out now. And before we go into the music segment here, have we made well-being yet another thing for me to stress about? <laughs> well, yeah, potentially. Um, and that's a really good point. So <laughs> it, it is, it, it's, it's a buzzword of the moment. Um, and I think that's, that's so key for you to bring up. So, you know, for everybody, it's about stop you know where are you at just check in with yourself if you want to know more about well-being then great go and find out more about it you know what if you're not interested don't worry about it you know so it's all about what can understanding my well-being do for me right and what how does maslow's triangle fit into this because maslow's hierarchy of needs okay yeah so because as you were mentioning that it made me think that you know from his point of view if you've got all these things, uh, psychological needs, safety needs, your belongingness and love needs, esteem needs and self-actualization, then you've got balance. But if any one of those things are out, then your well-being suffers and you can't move or or grow until you... So if your phys- physiological needs, your food, water, warmth, rest, aren't being met, these basic needs or your safety's not there, then you have no room for intimate relationships or friends and you have no room for prestige or you know you don't have any room to do that if these other ones aren't done and further up the chain that that you kind of go um and i think lastly before we go into the um into the music break is how are you positioning well-being with uh fulfillment or self-fulfillment which is at the top of maslow's triangle okay so you can absolutely map the two across. And again, this is something I quite often share with people because they haven't necessarily come across Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And although Maslow has a hierarchy of needs, actually it isn't, you know, 100% one level has to be filled before you move to the next. There is some fluidity and I think that's really important to remember. Um, but actually by having all of those five in proportion to it being a triangle, uh that does give you a balance and it does allow you to be fluid and to move within the layers and to to pick up and to work on the bits that you need to do to to kind of become whole. Um, You actually mentioned earlier, you know, when we were talking about uh, essentially you were hinting at, at really geographical location, for example, and different countries uh, definitely have different um, kind of regulations. So, you know, I think we have as a, a country quite a good, uh, quite a good sense of well-being compared to uh, another country maybe that's under a regime, shall we say? And I think that's really important. It's about what's within your control. So it's not about trying to control everything. It's about understanding what's within your control, and by working on what's within your control, that will increase your fulfillment because it's something that you can directly impact and that goes all the way back to Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and all those guys isn't it so as we said earlier in the segment um you know well-being is as a term is a buzzword but because humans have been humans for as long as we've been humans um the concept 
has existed for quite a long time <laughs> so yeah that's right okay let's get some tunes on okay so we've just heard passing by by zero seven and back to nature by nightmares on wax and finishing there with suzuki by tosca so just picking up on the well-being side of things again um there is a great six-factor model of psychological well-being. And I think this was by a lady called Carol Riff, R-Y-F-F. And she has six factors which are key for well-being, which take what we were talking about earlier, and and they take it kind of to a, to a different level. So the first area is self-acceptance. The second is personal growth. The third is purpose in life. Fourth is environmental mastery. Fifth is autonomy. And the sixth is positive relations with others. And I suspect that that will kind of be a segment in a future episode that we record because all of that, that could be six different episodes, That'd couldn't it, Clay? Yeah. There's so much in there. Yeah, but um, you, so can you just like, very like in a sentence, so self-acceptance would be what? So self-acceptance is just being comfortable with who you are, exactly how you are. Okay, cool. And personal growth? So that's again about, uh, well, really, so for me, that's about accepting who you are and choosing how you evolve. Okay, so choosing how you evolve, but the focus Mm. on having some evolution in your world. Mm. Okay, Mm. how about purpose in life? I know that seems kind of self-explanatory, but... I have some issues. No, well, it's good, though. And and, and how interesting that even just you asking me these uh, kind of off the cuff, as it were, is still making me think, even though I live and breathe this stuff every day and have done for 20, 30 years. So purpose in life, that's really having your, you know, what's my motivation to get up and out of bed every day? What's my motivation for living, really? And and that can, you know, turn into anything. So it could be through your work. You talked about entrepreneurs earlier. It could be about being the best parent that you can be. Yeah, that's I like another, that. I can say that's another one that you got to define for yourself because I think another one that gets abused is people think they have to have a purpose other than a life purpose. What's your yeah, life purpose? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But and actually, this is fundamental to all well-being. Is about basically being in control enough of your own mind so that you don't just accept that you have to do something because somebody else says. And I, I, this, I reckon that's what number five is: autonomy. <laughs> Hmm, is it? It could be. I, I have to have a little bit more of a thought of that one. Um, but I, I guess you could say it. I suppose I probably wouldn't use the term autonomy, but yes, it is. It's about you making sure that you're happy with what you're doing and why you're doing it um, and, and what, that you're so not just doing So what would you say it. about aut- autonomy then? Because mm. this is one of the factors, again, if you're just following trends in the corporate world, um, that they're saying like millennials and Generation Z are seeking, whereas we were happy to be a part of the factory, Generation X and Z and the like, this, does the job have a, a higher degree of autonomy than being a factory worker would have had back in the days? So if it doesn't have autonomy, they're not that interested in it. No, I think I think you're probably right. I think the thing about autonomy, and certainly when we're talking about careers, is that there's a balance between being autonomous in your role and being autonomous within the organisation. And this is one of the things that I do sometimes think that we're missing in terms of our 
younger generations how to be part of a bigger picture. Um, and I, I, I think that's something that we probably as a society need to have a think about. We still need people to do their jobs. We don't need to micromanage people, but actually what is it? How can we support everybody to do what they can do in the oh, best way that like they the can? Man. Come on. Maybe down, I am. Down Maybe with the I've man. just been. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> down with the man. Come on. And number four we skipped over was environmental. Mastery. Yeah, so environmental mastery. So that for me is about being the master of your environment and i'm laughing because one of the things in my environment as you know is technology it's the same with most people these days but i am not a master of my environment when it comes to technology and i'm normally going clay i need your help with this um because i don't understand it and i don't know where to start and then when i start reading things on the web to try and help me they talk in words that don't mean anything to me yeah. but i say all of that you know it's does it support me as long as it supports me, I can work with it. Yeah. And then the last one, positive relations with others. So this touches on, you mentioned social earlier, and we didn't go into any detail, but, you know, we all have a, a social need. I think it's Anthony Robbins who has something like, you know, the six uh, basic needs of life or something like that. Um, you know, relations with others, we all come into contact with other people whether it's walking down the street whether it's at work whether it's in our families whether it's online there is a connection with other people but that word in there that carol riffs put in that positive relations with others that's really interesting because that is already that that's almost got a mood to it she's almost put an emotion in there hasn't she um and it's about actually how can i get on with others how can i work with others so this also links with what we were saying about autonomy you know if we both bring something to the game that we can work together with even if we have different opinions then that's a healthy relationship to have Cool. All right. Now it sounds good stuff. I love it. Uh, I'm going to play a couple of tracks, one from Massive Attack and the other one from Nucleus AD. First one, Black Milk, and then I follow that up with Beyond Voyager. Okay. So now I've got a question for you, Clay. So we've been talking about well-being and kind of its biggest sense and, and kind of sharing a couple of models and some um uh, some some kind of thoughts that help people maybe understand a little bit more about well-being and how they could start to review their own. This week, you've been kind of looking about very much actually living in the present. We mentioned it right at the beginning of the episode. And I wanted to know what you thought about how you pay attention to the present moment. How does that affect experiences and quality of your life? Yeah, something I was been contemplating during my sort of coffee morning, my coffee notes as I as I call it, um, which is my opportunity to kind of reflect on kind of where I'm at and that kind of stuff. And something I came across was about you know how you pay attention to your present moment is going to determine the character and the quality of your experience. Um, and I think I jotted a note down that says along the lines of the fact that I think people struggle um, with the present moment because our attention is constantly shifts between the past and the future. So I'm either thinking about some stuff that happened yesterday or I'll even, you know, people dip back, oh, last week, this one, or some other hurt, or we're back there, or we're, 
our minds shifts to the future. So then we're thinking, I got to go pick up the kids. I got to go do this. I got to make dinner. Oh, yeah, uh, the electrician's coming tomorrow. So I need to call this one up to make sure I can move this webinar. True story. Um, and, <laughs> and so, but then our minds, as Yoda said, and I love quote movies, and he was giving Luke Skywalker a hard time. He's like, always with this one, his mind in the past or the future, but never his mind on where he's at on what he's on what he was doing um and the, yeah you can you can miss the present moment yeah you're there physically and you're moving around but are you soaked up in that real sort of present moment and then what does that you know look like how to you know i was i was writing at the time when i was writing this and i was you know you could one could say the focus of me doing the notes that I, as i was writing them um i was in the present moment but my question to myself was, or is that just distracting me from myself with the activity of writing? Mm-hmm. Fully writing, fully in the moment. I wasn't thinking about the future or the past, but was that a distraction from self? That was because it's filled with an activity as opposed to just being. I, do you know, I think that's great. And actually this morning I was having a conversation with my teenage son and I wasn't expecting to have this conversation. I was actually in the middle of my working day, like you, work from home. Uh, my son's home from college and he he needed me. He needed to have a conversation about something that was quite en- engaging and, uh, and, and quite sensitive. So I had to sit with him. Well, I didn't have to sit with him, but I, I was with him and and I had to get my consciousness onto him in that moment, which was really hard because I was in the middle of quite a big, what I would call a big chunky piece of work. So my brain was engaged elsewhere. And I could literally feel my my brain flitting back and back and, and forth and back and forth. And I was having to really look at him and almost think, right, what activity do I need to do here so that I can I can actually hear what he's saying mm. and work out what's beneath that. So is that the kind of thing that you mean? Yeah, kind of. I guess on the, the it's the because there's a spiritual element. So when we talk about the sort of you know wisdom experience and spiritual bit, um, and this piece that I'm going to share with you a little bit later on kind of touches to this. So um, being with your son and being present, uh, I think that's a good example of saying, well, how do I bring my awareness to the space that I'm at? And I think what I wrote down here was in my notes in the little essay thing I was writing was. Um, because the question I was asking, what does it feel like to be totally present in the moment? And my answer to that was to be aware and unaware at the same time, which sounds kind of paradoxical, um, but then a lot of Zen is very paradoxical, isn't it? So yeah, how do you mm. just be in the present moment with that that person? Um, and another time that I feel that sense of awareness, being aware and being unaware, and I've talked about this to you before in the past I think is a place that helps me get there is when I'm in the mountains because one I forget about time time doesn't exist um I'm not thinking forward I'm not thinking back I'm kind of just kind of there absorbing everything that's around me hearing the sound seeing the sights the smell I mean I'm completely in the place um and that can be intense as well you know if you really intently and I would I would I would encourage listeners to try, and I used to do this exercise um, in some of my training, where you actually sit with another person, a 
friend or whatever, or wife or spouse, or whatever, just another person, and you stare into each other's eyes. And this is quite an intimate exercise. It doesn't have to be, a, I mean, it could be a friend. It's a, it doesn't matter who the person is, but um, as you guys are looking at each other, um, you say, you know, what are you aware of? And then, you know, they'll they'll take you through what they're aware of. I'm aware that, you know, Naomi right now is, is writing something down. I'm aware that she's wearing headphones. Um, so you could take through that process. And another way to do that exercise is who are you? So I'm a I'm a podcaster, I'm a blogger. And then your partner will say, and you are all those things. Who else are you? And you just kind of keep going through that that cycle but you know when it's your turn to listen you are listening you're not thinking of the next question to ask you're not even really trying to reflect on or try to make sense of what the person's saying because it's unimportant but you're totally totally listening to the person but it's an interesting um uh, exercise to do to feel what it's like to be aware and unaware in the presence of another person um, so yes, I would encourage people to 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 try that. Mm, I think that's a really really great thing to do because we do forget. I think I you know we're all so busy, as you said. Um, I think we find it very difficult to actually focus on really really hearing what's being said to us. And again, also a lot of us do feel that we need to solve everybody else's problems. And that can stem for a whole whole load of reasons. And, and again, maybe that's something we touch on in another uh, show because that is quite a, a, a you know something. There's a lot of depth to it and a lot of breadth to it. Um, but actually, if we give people the space to talk and to explore, it allows them to be in the present moment by almost us holding that container for them, and our awareness, but non intrusiveness, if you like allows them to process and to work through yeah that's interesting because i i quite um yeah so actually and i think you know one of the things i you know i'm a big proponent of is that we know we get we go to courses on how to be a better speaker and public speaker and all that but nowhere in our training really do you don't go on a whole course on how to listen (laughs) or you just kind of assume because you got some ears that i can hear you and i'm listening um, but it's a skill in and of itself. And one of the things that I say to people, you know, totally listening to someone, you listen for what they're saying, how they're saying it, uh, the tone of what they're saying. And you're also, uh, the secret one is you're listening to what they're not saying. And, and you're Absolutely. doing this all at one time. Um, but in order to do that, uh, you have to disengage from yourself. Mm-hmm. So I have to mm. be totally... I have to forget myself knowing that I can find myself again. And I think some people don't want to let go of themselves enough to uh, listen like that intensely. But you have to be safe in the knowledge that you can forget yourself and then find yourself again once you come back. Uh, but yeah, I've not heard that. that before. Is that a quote of yours? Or is, cause I, that, I love that. I, you know, to be confident enough to forget yourself, knowing that you can find yourself again. That's superb. Yeah. I really love that. That's one Do of the you things know, that I teach on the ascent. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah, and, it's, and, it, and it stems from um, the sort of uh, warrior training 
warrior mythology bit like of Don Carlos and Don Juan and those things that you know it's it's a it's a spin-off of knowing what to do when you don't know what to do it's mm. kind of a spin-off of that um so yeah and, yeah go ahead oh well, I was going to say so obviously you know I've shared in terms of of thinking about um as a parent but from a relationship point of view like is this something that you actively do with your wife and like does that put you in the present moment and how does it affect the quality of your relationship you crazy come on you think i'm like you i'm not like you we don't spend that kind of time with each other <laughs> so we don't because one she would think that was hokey uh she wouldn't be into any she would tell me to go jump in the lake um if i if i approached it in that way so i know you may some people might think it's me but she, she's for because for her and you and you mentioned the word practical like she is the most pragmatic practical person ever and to have a conversation like this or to do some exercises like that it would be like what the hell <laughs> and i think it's just from her because her, her parents are like that too um so she doesn't, she doesn't, she wouldn't understand why we would want to do something like that. And that would be a strange gig or game to her. So, um, so no, I don't do that <laughs> uh, in that space. So, which is just, just fine with me. It doesn't, that doesn't, um, it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So I, in this, this came because of, previous conversations you know we were talking about uh, or you were thinking should I say when you were doing your coffee notes I think you know is your love boundless and impersonal or is it transactional um, and how that relates to being in the present moment yeah so um, as I was going through my little coffee notes and that phrase came up to me so is your love sort of boundless or impersonal and that was in relationship to oh I know what it was I was reading uh Sam Harris's book Wake Up and he looks at spirituality from a, with a scientific mind which I was going to recommend that you read as well um it's called Wake Up Sam Harris and he was he was um sharing an experience that he had the first time he took MDNA is that what it is ecstasy the first time they had taken um, this this MDNA, I think it is, uh, and he, that was the first time that he felt this boundless, impersonal love, like he loved his friend. And he said anybody that had walked in the room at the time, um, he would have loved them as well without even knowing who they are. And there was this discussion about the transactional love, which is a lot of I love you because you're my wife, you're my husband, my brother, my father or sister, or I love you because you're my friend. Um, and he makes a distinction between that conditional love and this idea of boundless, impersonal love that you have for every living thing on the planet. Um, Interesting. And you're not loving them because they're a living thing. You're loving them because you're loving them without any thing after the there's no because it just an is um and this this idea of love is is and and it's a it's a weird word but it's one of the common it's 
it's, it is a word that maybe binds all the religions and spiritualities together. And I know he has a big problem with religion, which a lot of people do. Um, but this boundless impersonal love is this thing that we don't actually know how to describe, which is then the point of um, spirituality. If spirituality has a point, it's that condition, that state of boundless impersonal um, love. And I had a question in there, have you ever experienced boundless love and, or does it always come with a reason? don't know if you've experienced it or does your love always conditional i love you because (laughs) but i know you don't say those words but it's it's, that's a really insightful question actually because uh, you know i mean i as as you know i do work with a lot of people to improve their relationships and, and whether that's their romantic relationships or friendships or work relationships and you know quite often it is about helping people work through understanding why they have the feelings that they do so the because in that sense is really necessary sometimes as part of the the process of of personal growth um so i'm kind of like oh this is sort of taking it and 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 coming at it from a different angle, which links back actually to what we were saying about with well-being, and that's the whole point. It's about what is right for you at this time, you know. And just because you are a particular person with particular characteristics or traits, doesn't mean that that's always going to be the way for you to do things. Um, that's really interesting. You've got my mind really. Um, yeah, it's so fun. I, I think I've had moments where I've experienced this sort of. Um, boundless love and it's a weird it's hard to describe um, but it's almost and, and I don't know why crying would come along with love but it's so profound that you almost feel like you move to tears absolutely yeah, but and it's for like and it's it's and it, I mean it's only happened maybe once or, or twice where it's just like um, and and you know I felt it and then people could see it as in I was walking and, and then, you know, actually literally saying, Hey, you're glowing kind of mm. thing. Um, uh, and yes, it's a, it's, it is a very, um, it's a, yeah, it's very weird sensation. It so is. you mean you've, uh, <clears throat> you've experienced it from within, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> sorry. So you've experienced it from within as opposed to receiving it from somebody yeah, else. Yeah, no, I, I've experienced boundless love, boundless and, and personal was, love. And so what was going on in your life at that time? It's just normal life. I wasn't doing anything specific. I wasn't, it wasn't as a result of meditating or anything. It was just... It was had you got a, a new job or had you completed a project or had you fallen in love with no, with Ruth or had was, your baby been born? It was just a spontaneous... It was here, so it was way before any of those things. Um, it was just a spontaneous thing. And, it, and maybe it just came as a result of stuff I was reading at the time. I, I, I don't... I mean, like, I couldn't tell you how to get back to the state. I can just tell you that I've felt it and what it felt like and how it was there and then and and that it wasn't in just and the thing that was interesting is it wasn't just in my mind 
because it, without me saying, oh, yeah, I'm feeling bound. I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I was just doing, and then people were reacting to me strange, and they were like, you know, yeah, it was. So whatever it was, it wasn't just in my head. It also it translated into my body enough mm. that people picked up on it and wanted to query what was happening in my in my world. I don't know. I don't know. And um, how would you equate that with with kind of the Zen state of being? Um, and maybe that's maybe it's a part of that aspect. Maybe that's a part of the. Um, you know, again, if we if we're looking at these characteristics, you know, being aware and unaware at the same time, and then combine that with this sort of boundless love or impersonal love, um, but not getting, don't get attached to the word love. I think in terms of what it means from a Hollywood point of view mm, or absolutely. fairy tale point of view, but it is that feeling of ecstasy, uh, ecstasy for life. Maybe is is uh, about being alive. Yeah, but the ecstasy that. for me has a, an edge to it, actually, mm. um, kind of almost a, an erratic edge, almost. Erratic um, or erotic? No, erratic, erratic. erratic. Sorry, yeah. my voice is now not clearing, so that's not very helpful. Oh. <clears throat> um, um, so ecstasy and, and, I don't know, so ecstatic, almost, it's it's almost like you're on the verge of being out of control. Yeah, um, notice that. That and and of, that I know that's not what you're talking no, about. No, no, I can yeah, no, the sort of ecstasy when you kind of you know you are you kind of leave your mind and your body and you're in this ecstatic state um, of 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 being, but it kind of pours itself out of you um, and it affects all the people around you as well. Mm. Um, you know, and there are rituals and things that you could do to try and go into these. Um, states of ecstasy one take ecstasy or mdna so you could do it through drugs some people do it through dance or through drumming or through um sort of ritual dance you can kind of get there um so there are some other direct means to try and attain that that sort of state but yeah this kind of erupted um spontaneously spontaneously wow right. <laughs> i think that's a good uh place to get on some tunes going and get some more songs yeah. on. okay you've just been listening to tripping by the human experience Ooh. and mantra <laughs> by fakir and lotus hearts by the desert dwellers okay so um interesting now to kind of segue into bringing this ecstatic journey to a close <laughs> uh, on this journey. I mean, I'm hoping people have been enjoying the journey thus far, both the words and uh, the music as well. Um, so what are some takeaways for from the episode for you or the show? Well, um yeah, obviously we talked about well-being, uh, which for me is kind of the container of my life. Um, and from within that, actually, you know, not only how can I support my own well-being, but how can I support other people's well-being through, you know, not just my work, but of course within within my family as well. Um, <clears throat> I love it, obviously, you know, it's always nice to be reminded of different activities that we can do 
Uh, and and yeah, I shall take a, a check out of Sam Harris's book. You've mentioned him to me before, so maybe it's a, a book to go on my Christmas list. Yeah, so I think it's, it's a good one if you're if you're in if you're exploring your uh, spirituality. Um, it's a good one to give you a balance, a balance between New Age thinkers and neuroscience thinkers. So between science and and sort of New Age stuff. Um, I think for me, I like this whole idea of the psychological well-being those sort of six factors because when i think of sort of self-development those would make great categories for the whole of self-development in terms of each one of those six being things that you could um work on um in relationship to um your development um so i, I like that i think that's worth exploring some more all right, do you have anything that you have been grateful for this week? Mm. I am grateful for my youngest son, who is 16 today. Oh, tell him I um, said happy birthday. Yay, thank you. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's a very, obviously, yeah, well, I say obviously, I do hope everybody thinks this about their own children. Um, I know that is not actually the case, so I shall back off that one quickly but I will concentrate on my beautiful beautiful boy who is an absolute joy and he stretches me and he challenges me in ways that make me smile and and also just oh he's just brilliant so I'm really looking forward to going and picking him up from school and spoiling him a bit sweet and just for future reference from a guy's point of view don't ever call and beautiful in his brains. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be beautiful. We want to be rugged and tough. And be beautiful. Ah, okay. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I shall ask him about that because he will have that conversation. I don't think that I've ever said beautiful to him, ah, to be good. fair. Well, don't go scarring the boy emotionally right, by calling him beautiful. <laughs> but you see, Clay, when you see his hair, you'll know he has well, a that's beautiful okay head for you of to hair. Have it inside of your head, but. Don't say that to him. Don't okay. Go, don't go messing the boy up. I'll now. pick him up and I'll say, "My goodness, my, how much you have grown today!" Boy, or, you know, something like that. But not yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Handsome's good, beautiful, not. Uh, and I'm grateful. What about for, you? Yeah. What about yeah, you? Grateful for rediscovering the joys of the rucksack. Sounds curious. For yeah. me, that would be finding the joys of what I've left in the pockets that I'd forgotten to take no, out. But that's not what you mean, no. is it? My rucksack. I fell in love with my rucksack again. Uh, which uh, is, share how, why, when? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you know. Well, you know, I was an infantry man, and we walk everywhere, and everything you own is on your back. You know, you got a hundred pound back. Sometimes you're humping, but so I've rediscovered the joys of the backpack. So on my outings and walks now i've been shoving loads of weight into my backpack um and then going out and also doing my exercises with the backpack on with this loaded weights in them as well um and yeah you can do so much but you can because because when we go to the field and we deploy of course you don't have a gym that you can bring with you so you use what's around you and one of them is your rucksack which you can use to do all sorts of exercises with to include putting it on your back and walking <laughs> so yeah um so that's been that's been good in fact that's if we talk about self-care 
Uh, and we're talking about mental health, which again, it's self-care awareness week this week. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I've been mentioning this to everyone that I've talked to who talks about self-care, that it's a very feminine word. Have I talked to you about this? We haven't, actually. And the reason why I say that is because um, in my last week's coach's notes, I posted, I wrote about, um, uh, there was an article around these five self-care, the presidents and their self-care kind of activities, or they wouldn't have called it self-care. So that was one thing. Um, And then I was doing something for a client, putting together a presentation for um on self-care and, and mental health and i wanted to get images and i did a search for self-care and it's all women there was like one dude so there's women doing yoga there's women writing in their journals and there's you know there's it was just i did there was maybe one or two and i shared the link in the notes just so if people didn't believe me but you scroll down endlessly and it's all women. And then I did a just a pure Google search just for the word self-care. And again, it's very f- uh, uh, feminine in nature. didn't have lots of pictures of women in that search. But again, you, if you're, it doesn't appeal to, it doesn't have a male connotation. Although, as I wrote in the post, you know, self-care is a male and female thing. Mm. But for the, it just seems to be co-opted or hijacked by is that appropriated? That's what I was looking mm. for from a, an industry point of view. That, and I, so my question that I've been posing to people: What's a a male um, term that we could use, or a term that we could use that that would help attract men to the fact that they have to take care of their um, self in that way and I said hobbies because this article about these presidents everything that they were doing was would be considered kind of a, a hobby you know like fishing or um, doing some other kind of pastime like that um, yeah anyway I just thought that was curious to doing that search and then everything has a uh, yoga woman in it or writing in a journal or doing some yeah, female thing. I'm kind of, that's you're right. It's sort of a, it is. It's almost a feminine word. Um, so then, if I start to think, okay, so as you say, yoga or spa days or yeah, beauty that's it, rituals. Spa, yeah, that's it, spa days. But okay, so however, now let's think about Turkish baths. Now I, I don't think there are that many Turkish baths around now, but this is something that my grandpa, who, as you know, is a hundred, used to do when he was younger. He and his friends would go to the Turkish baths, and so I was asking him, "Well, what exactly was a Turkish bath?" And it sounds really similar than you know to essentially a general spa. So yeah, no, the same with saunas. Mm. So saunas are a big deal for dudes exactly. to come in, and we go sit around in our towels. Um, and talk, you know, talk junk <laughs> to each so other. So is but. it that self-care is the overall term, but actually as a, you know, a masculine word would just be that specific. We're going for a sauna or I'm going for a, well, a hot shave. I or guess I'm saying, I, I was saying it in relationship to mental health because that applies to everyone. And you hear the word self-care. And I'm just saying if we wanted to reach more people, if we wanted to have mm. an impact, do we need do so either we need to broaden the images that come up with self care so that a male can relate to it or 
have a more masculine so that we can get men to do it basically that's all i was getting at so if you want men to participate um and not feel like a you know you know like effeminate and all of that you know we need something that then gets them to do it so that their mental health is good not thinking it's too it's too woman like girl it's too girly to be doing self care absolutely stuff. And, and knowing about the mental health, you know, levels or, uh, and, and concerns that we have with our male population, I think that that is, is vital. Mm -hmm. So did you come up with anything? Have you managed to come up with any kind of terms for us to start no, kicking around? No, I've been going, to, going and posing this question to all the people that I know who are into the whole mental health and well-being and self-care gig just to see what, what gives. Um, so I'll just, we don't have to figure it out here on here but just throw that to you mm -hmm. to think about about that aspect all right i need to we need to get going <laughs> um oh yeah you wanted me to share something that i was i've been teasing this reading thing didn't i i teased the yes. heck out of it so i do need to share that before we put on the the final uh song um for today and let me just find it for you but it's mm. um it was from a book called the aphorisms of a fish um and it's by as i said a, a chinese spiritual uh i'm gonna say guru but he wouldn't go with gurus it's a, a spiritual teacher basically uh wu sin h-s-i-n um and it's a really cool book to, you know, you've got a few minutes because it's just these little aphorisms so you don't have to devote a whole bunch of time to it. But the one that jumped out at me was this because it reminded me of a lot of things. One, just for myself, but two, I know that you do um, a lot of meditation um, stuff. But he says basically, just sitting, without a goal, without a schedule, without an intention, without form, and without deliberateness. The seed opens into the fruit, just sitting. And of course, I had to add my thing to the wisdom. Can I just sit here with my coffee? Does that count? But I don't know what he would answer with that. But, um, I think he'd probably look you in the eyes yes. and simply say to you, just yes. sitting. So, and, and prior to that, basically was getting at the search for enlightenment is a fool's errand, basically, is what I kind of, my interpretation of that is doomed to fail. Um, because as uh, Wu Hen says, that all searching is for something and that which is being sought is no thing. And if it's not an object, how can it be found? Nice. Oh, well, I think I'm going to put this into my husband's Christmas stocking. Yeah, there you go. Lovely. All right, Brilliant. very good. Uh, mm. I think that's a good place to end our little digital urban calm thing we got going on here at the Wisdom um, Experience. So just some final notes in terms of, again, liking and sharing the show around as you can. You can find it on Mixcloud if you come and do this via a link. So you can find it on Mixcloud. Uh, you'll be able to find it on both our sites. So claylo.com you can find it on. And I'm assuming it's on your website as well, is it? Maybe, maybe not. Well, you can remember that whole technology <laughs> conversation we had. So you can find it on Mixcloud um, under Soul Cruiser. You can find it on theclaylo.com. Of course, we 
put it onto Twitter and Facebook and all those kind of places so you can find it there. Um, and if you've listened through and you like the tunes that you heard, I also have made a, uh, a word-free version is on Spotify. So again, if you find me on Spotify and the Soul Cruiser, uh, you have the playlist that's called Wax Music number three and you're welcome to and I'll link this all into the post that will follow um, the show and that's all I have for this week